Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. When thinking about your journey towards better health, do you think about water? It's no secret. We know how important it is to drink water, but we often forget to consider the quality and safety of the water we are drinking every day. Research shows that despite where you live, there is a high likelihood your tap water may not be as clean and safe as you think. Clearly Filtered is on a mission to help you and your family stay hydrated, healthy, and safe by providing the best filtered water products on the market today. Clearly Filtered makes insanely powerful water filters that completely blow the competitors out of the water. Clearly Filtered is independently tested and certified to remove over 272 harmful chemicals and toxins found in our drinking water today. They are easy to work with, family-owned, made in the USA, and passionate about trying to help provide us with clean and safe water every day. I love that Clearly Filtered is affordable compared to many other untested alternatives, has portable filtered water products to take on the go, and helps you stay safe and hydrated everywhere. Clearly filtered products are also eco-friendly and can significantly reduce plastic and water waste through their patented filtered technology. Join the tens of thousands of new customers today who have joined Clearly Filtered in the quest for better health through clean and safe water. Go to clearlyfiltered.com and use the code JUSTINGREDIENTS to save 15% off your order today. Famed chef, model, fitness, and wellness blogger Shayna Therese Taylor has gained a massive social media fan base while launching the inspiring healthy lifestyle online destination, Shayna's Kitchen. Shayna became a trained chef and ever-curious change maker, pouring her boundless passion for natural health into Shayna's Kitchen, the trend-setting website known for Shayna's engaging articles and videos on cooking, fitness, travel, health, and so much more. She also launched what is now regarded as the world's best matcha. Shayna Therese Taylor first rose to fame signing a contract with a top modeling agency and then began expanding her social media presence by sharing original recipes and matcha journey. Through her work to uncover and share the world's best of the best in wellness, Shayna formulated her own organic morning ritual ground matcha made of the world's highest quality matcha. Shayna's goal with her online platform is to share what she uncovers so that everybody has access to make informed decisions about their health. She also has launched the organic, full-spectrum, single-origin CBD beauty powerhouse brand, Bottle and Stone. Shayna first discovered CBD as a powerful natural remedy in a pursuit to relieve her crippling scoliosis. Then she found how to incorporate into her beauty and skincare routine. The result of searching for the purest CBD in the world led her to launch industry-leading Bottle and Stone, where she offers a collection of the most premium, handcrafted CBD-based remedies and skincare products in the world. You guys, I am so excited to have Shayna Therese Taylor here on the show with us. I have been really excited to ask you lots of questions about being a chef and a model and things like that. So why don't you just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So hello, I'm uh, Shana Taylor and I am the owner of Shana's Kitchen and Bottle and Stone. And yeah, a little bit about 
Me. So yeah, I started actually my career um, as a chef. I went to culinary school for college. I went to a regular culinary school. So they didn't actually teach anything about eating healthy and healthy cooking. Um, I learned about nutrition and stuff like that, the basics. But um, my actual health journey of becoming a healthy organic chef actually truly just came out of passion. And in between kind of that era when I was going to culinary school and figuring out if I wanted to work in restaurants or if I wanted to do something else, I was drafted actually to be signed by a modeling agency in LA. And so I decided to also pursue that and see how um, that would kind of work into my life. And I always wanted to be a model, but I also had a passion for food. So it was kind of this very opposite uh, world, I guess you can say. And so um, I moved to LA and started a, a modeling career. And to be honest, yeah, I actually really affected the relationship I had with food. And it did encourage me to continue kind of on this passion I had for health and wellness and eating healthy and gluten-free and refined sugar-free and all those kinds of passions that I had naturally. But I think because the modeling in uh, industry is a little bit difficult, you know, it's it makes it complicated. So I decided to kind of put modeling on the back burner and I decided to do back into chef work, but do personal chef. So I really wanted to help people and I loved being a caretaker. It was kind of, I was called mama Shay my whole life because I love to just like jump on the opportunity to help anybody out um, in any realm of their lives. And food was, is obviously an amazing way to do that. So I started off with working with multiple clients and I would come to their houses, cook them food, leave it for three days and then come again three days later and, and prep cook, leave meals in their fridge. And so I did this for a couple years with multiple clients and then eventually I was hired full-time um, as a personal chef uh, to work you know fully in their homes for them. Uh, my first client that I worked for was a, a single guy and a crazy entrepreneur so he really wanted to live a little bit healthier so my niche was to help teach people to love food more and understand that healthy food can be delicious and it doesn't have to be bland or not good you know, I feel like when, you know, the wellness industry kind of first came about, it really, uh, everyone thought that healthy food was boring because no one was really educated or experienced enough to understand that like good quality food really is incredible tasting. It's just, you have to have kind of the knowledge to know how to substitute things. And then I worked for another client and actually some, uh, two of his children, uh, which was a dream of mine. I love kids so much. So it was actually one of the funnest jobs I ever had because I got to hang out with two little boys all day and it made my job a little bit more difficult because kids are definitely a completely different thing to try and get to eat healthy, especially when you're competing with like, uh, they were a divorced family. And so, you know, the, the other side of the family was like, you know, candy McDonald's and whatever the kids wanted. And I, they're coming over to the other side of the parents' house and and I was like, I'm just going to try to sneak those veggies in. And so, yeah. And then um, I actually uh, quit personal chef uh, when I moved to New York City in uh, 2016 and um, decided to fully kind of work on my platform and blog and Instagram because I really wanted to help people on more of a broader scale. I loved working one-on-one -on -one in people's homes, but it was really tied to really, you know, just one person. And I always loved helping the people and family around me, but I just wanted to do it on a larger scale. I felt like I had so much information that I wanted to share. And, and I've always been my own guinea pig. I've had 
so many different kinds of health issues and skin issues and scoliosis and pinched nerves and anxiety and stress from growing up in kind of a unique uh, family circumstance. And, you know, I've been through so many things as a person and I just had so much information that I wanted to share. And so I dedicated my life to basically being an influencer and trying to share my knowledge as much as I could. So I created Shana's Kitchen. It was actually a health blog before, but it was a different name called My Bikini Kitchen, which was the concept of like keeping your body bikini ready, but I was young and didn't really... Well, anyway, so I changed it, <laughs> rebranded and really focused on healthy recipes and finding brands that I vetted that I thought were um, good enough to share. And it kind of just blossomed into this big community of amazing people now that I have. And, and, you know, now it's, I focus a lot on mind, body, soul and creating recipes that are easy for people to make. That's kind of what I decided to make my niche was, was, you know, being a chef, you can kind of, you know, you can, I can do complex recipes all day long, but the whole idea of Sheena's kitchen was to create recipes that were really simple and easy for people to make themselves. Because when we make and cook for ourselves at home, it's really, I think, a beautiful act of self-care. And it's also educational because you know what you're putting in your body and you can understand your body more and come and, you know, become more intuitive and have a real relationship with food rather than it just being like, you know, a, a sense of fuel or however you want to call it. And, um, and yeah, so now I, that kind of turned into selling matcha because I quit drinking coffee when I was a personal chef because it used to make me feel really jittery and upset stomach and give me anxiety, which I already had to begin with. So I decided to launch my own matcha brand after drinking it for over a decade and really understanding what quality was and the different meanings of what matcha is and going to Japan and really understanding the farming and all this kinds of stuff. And then um, I had also launched my CBD company uh, shortly after because I had so many people in my community asking me for holistic advice on how to do things and, and take healthy things to get them off narcotics to help with sleep and pain and anxiety and like all these everyday stressors I think that we all kind of have. And CBD was an incredible plant medicine that was helping people with a lot of these issues that legitimately helping them. And I originally, like I said, I was always just vetting brands and trying to find brands that I thought were really like legit to, to share with people. And then uh, I, in the CBD industry, I couldn't find one that I thought was trustworthy enough. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to have to start my own. And uh, that was a journey of like not understanding what I was getting myself into at all. But it's been an incredible one. And I have my own farm in Vermont and we're certified organic and going towards biodynamic practices. And yeah, an ever-growing community. That is amazing. That is a huge journey that you have gone on. And wow, mm -hmm. what successes you've had. That's amazing. And I love Thank what you. you're doing because I think we need to educate as like, I wish there were more of you out there educating <laughs> the you. masses, teaching them how to eat healthy and that it fuels your body and things like that. So I have a bunch of questions for you. So we're going to start all the way back to culinary school because mm -hmm. I'm really intrigued with this. In culinary school, do you work with just whole foods or do you work with processed foods? Do they teach the importance of whole foods? So the culinary school I went to is called the Art Institute and they're an art school, but they have a specific culinary program. And the reason why I picked this back in the day was because I really wanted to have an actual degree and not all culinary schools offer associates and bachelors and they did in science, which looking back, I actually wish I would have just done specific culinary because taking all the other college classes on top of five hour cooking classes was like a bit much. 
but they, you do typically only cook with whole foods. I mean, you're, you really have to learn A to Z. I mean, for vegans listening, I apologize, but in corner school, you got to learn how to butcher the animals. You got to learn how to do everything in corner school. And yes, you use sugar and nothing's organic. And, you know, sometimes if the chef teacher in the class, if they had a passion for organic stuff like that, then they would kind of incorporate into their teachings because they were passionate about it. But as a whole, it was just kind of like cooking however you wanted authentic, using butter, using this, using salt, using, I mean, it, it was like you used everything. And not to say that butter and salt is bad, but obviously the type of salt you use and where you're sourcing your butter and all those kinds of things are really where the importance comes from. And so in culinary school, they don't necessarily teach you these things. I think it's more out of passion. And I think any chef who gets a little bit more advanced understands that there's not one size fits all or one quality that is just good for everybody. And then you get really into sourcing ingredients. And what makes, I think, an incredible chef is, yes, of course, being creative and being able to know those ingredients that go well together. But it truly is about finding those like really incredible ingredients and how you're sourcing them that really makes a difference because at the end of the day, food speaks for itself. So in culinary school, they teach you how to make all the things and you cook for so many hours. And, you know, I learned so many techniques and things like this, but it was educating myself on substitutions that really made the meal, I think, more nutritious and a little bit healthier and um, more nourishing and not, you know, making you feel heavy, et cetera, that kind of stuff. It was all kind of self-taught out of fashion. Good for you for learning all of that. That's amazing. I love researching substitutions and where ingredients are sourced from things like that so it's fun that you love to do that as well yeah um, I've always done like every time I travel I love to take cooking lessons in the countries that I'm traveling in because you just you learn so much like I get so inspired from, from oh I'm sure too. okay so I'm intrigued with your personal chef years as you were talking I was like dang I want a personal chef that's like a dream of mine someone that's cooking organic and doing the cooking okay so those people were really lucky first of all to have you someone that knew how to cook with organic ingredients and healthy ingredients so tell me how you got those kids to eat healthier what were your tricks I'm not gonna lie it was such a challenge in the beginning I was like wow this is gonna be difficult But you just try to, I mean, it's all about sneaking things in. Kids just don't, unless they're raised, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I mean, take this with a grain of salt. This is just my opinion. But when like teaching your kids that vegetables are so nourishing and so great, and then like you, you know, unless you do that from a very young age, it is almost impossible to get them to eat vegetables when they're older. And kids are like sponges. So like, if you just got to trick them into doing things, it's like, I learned very young because I was 20 how old was I 23 24 when I was cooking for these kids I luckily I also grew up with a little sister so I have a little sister who's 11 years younger than me so I also kind of got that parenting mentality because I helped my mom kind of raise my little sister so like luckily I had that on my back <laughs> my back like burner to like kind of remember again about tricking my mom tricking my little sister into eating things But, you know, you just have to be creative with it. Like they loved some of the stuff that they would love. So 
my boss really wanted them to eat fish and they just were like really not into eating fish. They wanted to have, you know, chicken and this, that, and the other. And that was fine. I nailed the chicken nuggets. I could, I made so many chicken nuggets in the freezer to have as like backup for the nanny and all this kinds of stuff. Cause they, the chicken tenders were easy to nail. The fish was difficult until I started like doing a gluten-free breading with nuts on it and putting like nice salt seasonings and things like that. I think it's really just like hiding what they're afraid of and like putting things on top of it that are still really healthy, but that have a lot of flavor. They also really love these broccoli tots. I'm sure you've seen these. So like I used to put zucchini and broccoli and then I would do organic cheddar cheese and then gluten-free breadcrumbs and I would form them into these perfect tots and then I would bake them instead of frying them. And like, those were also like game changers. So like it's so much trial and error and like, you know, finding smoothies that they love so that they can try to get in their greens and, you know, making it, try to get it sweet with dates. And like, it's just like a funny, for me, it was, it was hilarious because I felt myself like, you're like this, like waiting for them to eat it. You're like, do you like it? You know, you like, and then you're like trying to play with them. It was definitely a challenge, but I think you have to trick them into like, you're not forcing them to eat a vegetable. You're just tricking them into thinking that it's something, God, oh, this is so good. Like you have to try this movie, you know, you have to like treat them like adults and like kind of trick them into thinking that they're choosing to eat it. Or like, I would just leave a plate of something like on the table and then walk away from it. And they would like come and suss it out and then, you know, maybe think about it. And then eventually if they're hungry, they would start nibbling on it. And if you just don't say a word and say like, oh, you should try this. It was completely a trickery game with kids. It was actually, it was like a sport. Truly. Well, I love hearing that it was hard for you because if it's hard for a personal chef, then that can validate all the moms out there that are having a hard time feeding their kids healthy foods. But I always tell my listeners three things like it's consistency. Just Mm -hmm. be consistent with what you're offering to educate them. Like you said, like teach them like these vegetables are going to help your gut. They're going to fuel your body, things like Mm -hmm. that. And then three, Yeah. Add veggies in wherever you can. Add them in the smoothies, add them in the spaghetti sauce, add them in the pancakes. And the kids never know, but it's great. You're just fueling their bodies the best that you can. So thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So next question, as a personal chef, I'm curious, were there meals that people asked you to make that you did not want to make that were, you just knew like, Ooh, that is going to be so unhealthy. Or could you always make it a healthy version? I always made it a healthy version. I actually loved when clients would say, this is my healthy, you know, meal that I feel is unhealthy, you know, guilty or whatever they want to say. And I would always try to make the healthier version of it. And typically it was very rare if it wasn't this way, they would love it more than the indulgence, let's say meal that they felt. And so it would always be this kid tonight. Can I have the, you know, whatever it was. That's actually a big part of my blog was making the healthier versions of all the things that we love. Because at the end of the day, like you never want to feel restricted on what you're eating. I think it's a terrible mentality to have. It's like fad diets, for instance, I'm actually a very anti-fad diet person. I think that there's just no size fits all on what we should be eating and listening to your body and your body's going to tell you what you need the most. It's just a matter of like really connecting and feeling intuitive in that way. So I loved giving my clients like the satisfaction of being like, oh, this isn't bad for me anymore. I'm like, no, it's not bad. Like there's nothing bad about this meal. Like enjoy it, eat it. Don't feel guilty about it. Like just eat as much as you want of it. And, and it really does kind of change that mental mentality of like constantly feeling like you're setting yourself up to feel bad when you're eating food. I feel like it's, you know, it could be really complex for your mental health. Right. 
I tell people all the time, there's always a better choice for everything out there. So I love that you do that as well. So I'm going to tell people, go to your Instagram, go see the recipes that are better choices for the things that we love that may not be so great. Okay. So I want to talk to you about modeling because you modeled with one of the top modeling agencies in the world. And I'm sure there's a ton of diet culture pressure in the modeling world. So did you ever feel pressured to have to eat a certain way? Yeah. Modeling is really, it's very bad for women's mental health. It's funny because I like to think that I've never had an unhealthy relationship with food, but now that I'm at a place where I am now in my life and my mental health and and spiritual growth, I'm just way beyond what I was. Looking back, I 100% had a bad relationship with food during this period of time in my life. And I didn't really uh, resolve it until I would say a couple years ago, to be honest, because you, one, the problem with the modeling industry is that they constantly are looking for something specific. And if you don't meet that criteria, they're constantly trying to put you in a box to meet that criteria. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky because you're looking at, you know, you're comparing yourself constantly to other girls that are in castings with you. So you always feel like your body is not good enough. You're hanging around girls who aren't eating anything in order to look like a specific skinny. And when you, when you really understand, like to be really that skinny, you really don't eat a lot. You can't eat a lot to be that thin. And that's where it's, it's difficult because modeling is what a lot of women aspire to look like. They want to be models. They want to look like the girls in the magazines. They want to be the girls on TV. And it used to really break my heart because when you know what you have to do in order to look like that, it's not a healthy and it's not a sustainable way and it's not how it should be. And so for me, to be honest, yeah, I did when I say I don't, I like, I'm not about fad diets. I've tried every fad diet. I've done juice cleanses. I've done keto. I've done vegan. I've done, I've done all the diets because back when I was modeling, like this is what everyone was talking about and everyone was doing this and everyone was trying a new workout and everyone was doing a juice cleanse. When you put your body on these roller coaster rides like this, where it's like, I'm dieting and then I'm not, you're actually causing so much more harm for your body and your gut imbalance. And I mean, so many things that just come into play. And you also like, when you obsess over what you're eating, like it affects also how your body is storing that food. So like if you, before you eat a meal, you're like, this meal is going to make me fat because I'm eating this meal. Like, yeah, it's probably going to stick to you a little bit different than you looking at this meal and being like, wow, this is such a nourishing, amazing meal. Like, I'm so happy that I have this food. And like, I can't wait for this to like, give me all the energy and fuel that I need. And like, this is why affirmations and stuff and, and mental health is like key on people's wellness journey, because the way that you speak to yourself is in the food that you're eating. And just like in general, it's so important to the way that your body feels, looks, the energy you have, the mindset you have, it's essential. And I didn't have this mentality. I was constantly, you know, talking bad about myself and feeling guilty for eating a, you know, a piece of toast or like, you know, going out to dinner and eating the the pizza and, and the pasta and then feeling like, oh my God, crazy. The the guilt I had in my mind when I was doing those modeling days of like how I was going to go to into the agency and how, you know, for gosh dang, if I have a, a pimple, they're going to be like, why do you have a pimple on your face? Or like, you know, why do you look bloated? Or like, why is your hair not, you know, done perfectly? If you have casting, you know, it's like the mentality is so brutal that it like, it took me quite a while to kind of 
out train my brain of thinking that way. And then on top of it, you know, I, I was in a relationship with a very high profile person. And when you're in these types of relationships where you're paparazzi all the time, or like have to walk a red carpet, or, you know, you don't really like look at yourself until you have to look at yourself in the news. And then you're like, okay that and then that also kind of messes with you because like I'd be on vacation in a bathing suit thinking that I look great and then you see a you know a paparazzi photo and you're just like what oh wow (laughs) you know yeah that's hard it's very hard now I feel I could truly could care less I love my body and since I've changed that mentality I feel like I don't have those moments where I look at photos and I don't feel that I'm beautiful because I, in any different stage of my life, sometimes I'm working out four or five days a week. And sometimes I'm taking a month off of working out and only doing walking. I just learned to listen to what my body needs instead of being so crazy about like, I have to do this because I have to look a certain way because Instagram or because it's about just doing it for me. And because I feel like doing things, not because of anyone else telling me I need to look a certain way or because I feel like guy I'm dating, you know, it just like, You get what I'm saying. Yes, I do. So it's really sad that the modeling agencies, well, the modeling industry, I should say, is like that, that you have to have this perfect body and starve yourself and count calories or do these fad diets because so many young girls, even moms, look up to these models like, oh, I want to look like that. So what do you say to these listeners who want to look like these models and therefore have bad body image struggles? I'm glad that the modeling industry has shifted a little bit more into plus size models, I guess you can say. I wish that there was a happy medium. I don't understand why we have to have like really skinny or like really plus size. I feel like that's also just, that's a whole other subject that I get a little bit annoyed about, but it's hard because I think at the end of the day, I love that there's people that can inspire us, right? Like I think that life is all about inspiration. And so I don't want to say that, you know, don't have models be your inspiration. That's not what I'm trying to portray. I just think that it's more about like, if you want to look or live a certain lifestyle, like a model is doing or how she looks or whatever, like maybe look inside of you and ask the question of like, why exactly do I want to look exactly like this model? Like, what is that going to really do for you? Like, mentally and are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it just because you want to you know what I mean like where exactly is the inspiration from a really skinny model coming from is it just because you want to look skinny or is it because you want to be happy and I think that kind of where there's miss up sometimes is because like you want to be inspired by people but you want to be inspired by people who make you feel good about yourself not right. people who make you feel bad about yourselves right. and this is why I work really hard on the platform I have because I want to be an inspiration to people but I want to be an inspiration to feel better not compare themselves to me in my life at all right. I don't want you to look at my life and say, wow, she makes me feel so bad because I'm not living that way. No, I want to inspire you to maybe, you know, try a couple of things that I'm doing or find your own way of doing something similar. I, I don't post bikini pictures of my body, even though, you know, yeah, I work hard to have a body that I feel really good about, but I'm not posting naked lingerie, bikini pictures left and right or anything because I don't want people to look at me and say, wow, I, I feel bad now that I don't look like her. It's like, no, everybody is so unique to themselves and everybody. Everybody is so beautiful within its own 
cells and it's learning to know that being unique is actually what makes you perfect in right. the most perfect way you can be. And it's not about comparing yourself to influencers or models. It's like, yes, if you're inspired by them, I love it that you're inspired by them, but like, don't be inspired to look identical to people. You know, like it, this is why, like, it, it's also difficult for me in the modeling industry right now, because everybody has the same work done to their face. And I'm like, every model that's big right now looks the same because they all have jawline things and they all have lip filler and they all have the eyebrow tuck thing and they all have these different things that make them look similar because I get it, it's a look, it's beautiful. It looks like a Barbie and like, it's beauty, but at the same time, like, but then you guys all look the same. Like, where's the uniqueness to just like loving yourself for who you are and the right. beauty of like s small lips and mediums lips right. and people who have naturally big lips, you know, like where's the love of like, everybody looks different and that's great. Right. You know, I agree. And you, yeah. Well, and also talking about the size, I always say skinny does not equal healthy and skinny nope. does not equal happy. So no. healthy. It's actually act, the opposite. Right. Healthy actually can equal happiness. And so we need to nourish our bodies and everybody is going to look different when it's healthy. So. Exactly. Exactly. And everybody needs different things and different food. And like, this is why, you know, I'm say I'm the anti-diet person because it's like most girls that are super skinny, I'm telling you, they are not happy. They're not eating. They're malnourished. They may look skinny and their body may look great, you know, in, in photos to them or to whoever. But at the end of the day, like, you know, 10, 20 years time, like malnourishedness catches up to you and you will age. So it's really not something to aspire to, like making sure you nourish your body as much as possible. Like that's the key. Feeling good is the key. It's not about how you look and then feeling good after it's feeling good. And then how you look will follow basically exactly right. what you said. So people yeah. that are listening that want to start on a health journey and start nourishing their bodies that are maybe going to take a mindset change rather than trying to be skinny, they're going to try to be healthy. Where do you have them start? Do you have them just go cold turkey with eating unhealthy foods or what's your suggestion? Polar opposite. Polar opposite? <laughs> Polar opposite. I actually do not cut out anything. I think that you need to set up yourself for success. And when you put too many high expectations of I'm going to cut out this, 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 like it's not going to work. It's not sustainable. Like you, you have to set up yourself for success. So the body loves routine and this is good or bad routines, by the way. And this is why I say like, number one is start to create healthier routines for yourself. So incorporate healthier things into your life. So instead of trying to dramatically change your diet, like all of a sudden I'm waking up today and I'm not eating any more cake, like just try to add in a green juice, add in green smoothie, add in a green salad, like start to add in more healthy things, like instead of just eliminating immediately, because when you start to add in those nourishing foods, automatically your body's like, oh, wow, you'll start to feel a little bit different. You're like, wow, that, that smoothie actually gave me a bit of energy boost. Like that was kind of nice. Then I ate that cake and now I feel like shit. Like, I think it's like, what I like to advise is creating routines that are healthy for yourself, sleeping a little bit more, going to bed a little bit earlier, making a morning routine that you actually really look forward to in the morning, not something that you're like dreading waking up to do, spending a little time yourself, adding in those healthier things to start. And then eventually your body just starts to crave those healthier things naturally. And then going in tune with your body, like how is this smoothie making me feel? Okay. I could journal about that. Okay. After I ate, you know, the burger or whatever, you know, you ate 
ate. Like, yeah, I had a stomach ache. I was a little gassy. Like, all right, I'm going to journal that out. Like you start to notice the things that your body really loves and what it doesn't. And I think that empowering yourself to be able to make those own decisions of like, okay, I want to be healthier. And now I'm starting to understand like what's my body really doesn't like and what it's been trying to tell me, but I've been ignoring and, and what, you know, really feels good is really good way to start because you, you want to ease your way in at the end of the day, like you're looking for a lifestyle. You're not looking for a quick fix. Quick fix don't exist. It's not a thing. This is why fad diets annoy me because it's just like, yeah, cool. You can do it for a few months, but like also, you know, the keto diet, like it's nobody should do keto for longer than three months maximum. That's it. You can do it for three months out of the year. And then besides that, you need to nourish yourself with those carbs and yes, healthy fats are amazing. And I think you should never cut out healthy fats, but like you also need to have the balance of, of all the different nutrients that you need and your body needs those carbohydrates. And, you know, it's just adding, creating routine and like really creating a sustainable concrete starting point for your health journey. And then kind of going on the next step from there, but like, don't try to do anything dramatic because then you feel guilty that you didn't achieve it. Achieve and then it. Exactly. that works backwards. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Being a personal chef though, I want to ask you two things. So one, when I started my health journey, eating healthy seemed so overwhelming because I would look at Pinterest and see all these amazing like quinoa bowls or these uh, amazing salads. And I'd be like, I do not have the time to make that, nor do I even know how to make that stuff. So someone that's just starting out, does eating healthy have to be big and elaborate and Pinterest like look? No, I don't think so at all. It's so funny because, you know, when I travel to Europe a lot and the European mentality is like people cook at home all the time. It's like a part of their culture, not all places in Europe, but most. And um, in America, we've like trained ourselves to think that we like don't have time to cook at home, you know, because we're all working really hard and like, you know, restaurants and it's just like not as common for families to cook at home that much. And so it does not have to be extravagant at all. I think in the beginning when you're like, I just need to figure out what foods I even can eat. I really love the idea of prep cooking. I used to do this for myself as a chef and I do it even now because I work so much during the week. I, on Sundays, they're just like my days where I prep cook stuff. I roast vegetables. I steam asparagus. I, you know, roast some kombucha squash. I, you know, I just like roast a bunch of different vegetables. I buy a bunch of lettuce, make sure everything's washed and ready to make a salad. I toast my, you know, nuts and things like that. I pre-make dressings and I have everything kind of in my fridge so that when I'm know I need to eat something healthy instead of ordering something bad or just like grabbing a protein bar, which isn't great, I know that it'll take me three seconds to, okay, I'm going to put some squash, some chop up, some asparagus, some lettuce, and then, then like, you know, my herb dressing. And then all of a sudden I have this like nourishing salad. And then I have, you know, I always have fish or chicken or eggs. And I always like, you know, I boil an egg. I boil a six minute egg. It takes me six minutes to put an egg on a salad. And then I have a, a full whole salad, you know, you can even steam quinoa or millet or rice before and keep it in the fridge and throw in some carbs in there. Like there's easy ways, but it doesn't need to be glamorous that you can, you know, set yourself up for success. You know, and it's once you kind of get into the routine, you just have to do it once to realize how easy it is. And this is kind of what I say on my platform. It's like, just try. And then let me know if it's hard. Oh, I love just, that. Just kind of, you just kind of have to like commit and try it. And then I guarantee once you've done it once, you're like, oh yeah, wow, that's actually not that bad. And like, how convenient that I have like 
all these vegetables and salad in the fridge. This is great. Sometimes things like they just seem harder than what they really are. And all you have to do is just apply yourself a couple times and you figure out how it works for you. And everybody's a little different in their routine. So you have to try it in order to figure out how to fit it in your life. I think I need to incorporate that. I think on Sundays I need to prep. I never prep. And you're so right. It would make it so much easier. It makes it so much easier. Like for me, I do recipe development, you know, two days a week. And so I have always have so much food. Like I need more employees to feed, <laughs> to be honest. It's like so much food. But I don't, on those non-days, like I don't want to cook for myself because I just cooked for two days straight, right. you know? So having those prepped foods is essential for me to be able to feel like I can still get in the nutrients I need without feeling like I'm stressed to try and, you know, make myself something or find something that I haven't ordered already, or it gets expensive. And also too, I always feel sick when I order stuff out. It's like, nothing's ever really healthy. I feel it's always like got something secretive in there. Well, that's a great tip about prepping. And let's talk about restaurants, but actually I have a question before restaurants. It was my second question. People that start a health journey think it's going to be so expensive. So do you think it's more expensive to eat healthy or do you recommend people budget? What are your tips? I understand why people say being like a health and wellness person can be expensive. I get it. This I understand because if you're going full force and you want to like buy all the tools and the this and the that, and like, I, I understand how things could add up and it could be expensive. Yes. But there is a hundred percent. I think it's cheaper if you do it right to eat healthier, because at the end of the day, if you're not cooking for yourself and you're eating out, that already is a, a lot of money added up. That is way more expensive than just buying groceries and prepping them at home. And you have tools like farmer's markets and you have tools like Trader Joe's and you have places like every single grocery store now, Ralph's. I mean, I think every level of grocery stores now have a organic section for fruits and vegetables and organic flowers and things like this, because they know that there is a demand for it. So I think maybe in the beginning when the wellness industry was first starting and there was only organic vegetables at really expensive markets and that mentality of like eating healthy is so expensive and it's not available to me. I think, yeah, maybe it was a little more difficult then, but I feel like there's so many tools now and there's Amazon and it's endless the amount of tools we have to be able to source things that are not expensive. And I love going to the farmer's market. It gives you the ability to talk to farmers and find out where your food's coming from and sourcing and like, and, and it is cheaper. It, it's supposed to be cheaper to, to shop at the farmer's market because it's direct from the farmer instead of it having to be in the grocery store and the grocery store upselling it. Right. Um, so I think it's just a matter of putting the power in your hands to do research, to be like, okay, this is my budget of what I I'm willing to spend right now. If that's like, your comfort zone of like, yeah, I want to live healthier, but like, I don't want to spend X amount of dollars. I think that's not the right mentality. I think if you invest in your health now, you won't have to invest in it later. That's my opinion. I think medical bills and when you're older can really get pricey. And if you're taking care of your health now, you will not have those medical bills. That's just my opinion. But if you are on a budget and it's a little bit more of like, you know, I just don't have the means, I think find what that budget is and make it a sport. Be like, okay, this week, I want to try vegetable pasta. So how can I find the ingredients that are, okay, let's look on Amazon. This is the prices. Not too bad. If there's a way that you could do it that could be fun and not feeling like you're spending, you know, hundreds of dollars on groceries. Right. Well, and I also found when I started my health journey that 
when I stopped buying so many prepackaged snacks or prepackaged yeah. meals and just bought the vegetables or, you know, the whole food ingredients, my grocery bill exactly. actually dropped. And so trying yeah. to convince people of that is hard. But at the same time, it takes time because then you do yeah. have to make your meals and you've got to take a little time to research, you know, the best prices out there, things like that. So I agree. It's yeah, doable for sure. Yeah. I mean, again, wellness and the health journey is not a quick fix. It's a lifestyle. It's something that you have to dedicate yourself to. It's something that takes time to incorporate. It's not something that you can expect to just be like, today I'm healthier and I'm not looking backwards. I mean, it's a long, like I've been on a health journey for 10 years, you know, and and I've always am learning and I'm always evolving and I will until the day that I die. And so it's understanding that like, it just, you have to be patient with yourself and you have to figure out what routines work for you. And you have to just have faith that like, Yes, it takes dedication and yes, it takes practice. But once it's really routined in your life, like it's so easy. It's just a matter of really giving yourself that time and patience to figure out where it fits in your life and and what works best for you because everyone's work journey is different. Everyone's mental health is a little bit different. And so it's really about like just tuning in and finding what's right for you and and figuring it out. Routines are everything, you know? It's like when you grocery shop and when it's good for you and if you want to meal prep and, you know, it's, it's just finding those things that work. Yes. It's finding the tips that will work for you in your lifestyle. Exactly. Okay. So, exactly. So you were talking about eating out just a minute ago. So let's talk about that. So mm-hmm. are there certain restaurants that you'll only go to? Will you go to any restaurant? Eating out is a big social thing. Like friends want to go eat out quite often. So what are your tips for eating out? So I love food. I'm a foodie. I'm a chef. So I love to try all restaurants, especially when I'm traveling internationally, but the food in Europe is completely different uh, than here. I don't have any issues when I eat in Europe. Here is a little more difficult. When I pick restaurants, I definitely am very particular about food quality, the chef caring about like sustainability. I definitely am a little more cautious now about what restaurants excite me to try, but I do love trying a new restaurant. And my biggest tip is one, if it's a common thing and you go out often, there's definitely ways you can order and pick things on the menu that aren't going to make you feel constantly like you're eating too many calories. Um, I always ask for things to be with olive oil and cooked in olive oil or that kind of stuff instead of like butter or if they use canola oil or like chefs like to sneak weird things into kitchens. So Luckily, restaurants now are very used to people saying they have allergies and intolerances. So I think becoming confident in the fact that you can really communicate that to the waiter is a tool that, because for a while I was afraid, like, oh, I feel bad that I'm that person that like is saying I have all these dietaries and now I'm annoyed and people are looking at me. I'm over that now. I'm like, it's not worth me feeling sick. Don't care. So I'm like, I'm, I have gluten allergy. I have a corn allergy and I would have no finishing salt, please. And then everything cooked in olive oil. Thank you. Well, that's <laughs> you <know>? great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And so I think it's, yeah, I think you just have to find on the menu things that look good, but also if you want to try things like share for the table, instead of having it for yourself. Like I love to share plates. And so it's like, instead of eating the entire plate to yourself, which may make you feel sick or may whatever, like share for the table and you can try a little bit of everything and everything in moderation. There's nothing wrong with everything in moderation. I I believe. Right. I like that advice. Okay. Talking to a personal chef, I'm curious because I get asked this a lot. You're busy. We're busy. People are just busy. People always want snack suggestions from me. What are like your go-to snacks when you're just busy? That's a good question. I'm actually not a big snacker. I always have fruits. 
berries and things in my house because I love to snack on fruit. I also always bake on the weekends. I feel like I love to bake gluten-free breads and stuff. Like I just baked a chocolate pumpkin bread. And so I've been snacking on that. Oh, yum. And what else do I like to snack on? Oh, siete chips and bitchin' sauce. That's one of <laughs> my favorite snacks. Yeah. Those are good. I love siete chips are great. Bitch and sauce is awesome. And then um, I don't know. I'm I'm not like the biggest snacker, but it's always sometimes I make guac with siete chips. Like it just depends on what sometimes I just make eggs for a snack. Like I, I'll boil eggs when I'm hungry because I don't know what to eat. And I'll just like boil a couple of eggs and eat those. So it just kind of that depends like on what my yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Berries, I'm like, eggs, know, something nuts. Quick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Nuts, it, yeah. Good to know. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your matcha. So that is like a new trendy drink, I feel like, and a lot of people still don't even know what it is. So tell us what matcha is and the health benefits of drinking it. So matcha is a green tea, but it is a specific green tea leaf that they actually harvest. Ours are shade grown and harvest at a specific time. And then they grind the leaf actually into a powder. So that's what makes it a green powder instead of like a loose leaf tea, like green tea. So um, people get that mixed up. It has 10 times more antioxidants than green tea. It is incredible natural detoxifier for the body. So it helps the body detox heavy metals and basically any type of whatever. There's just like all the types of detoxing things you need for your body. And then it's high in selenium, which is really good for the immune system, um, especially in times like COVID and stuff like that. And then it's the reason why I love it so much is because yes, I don't necessarily need caffeine, but I love the calm, steady caffeine energy that it gives you rather than what coffee kind of like shoots you up and then you plummet downhill you know, the monks actually used to drink it before meditation and it was not available to everybody else. It was like a very sacred drink. The monks would drink in order to stay calm, but awake when they meditate. And so it has that long, steady energy that kind of keeps you fueled throughout the day without, um, you know, the caffeine crash and really high in antioxidants. So it's really good for the skin. There's loads of, uh, amazing qualities about, about matcha and alkalizing to the body, which is also amazing to have in the morning instead of coffee, which can be really acidic. So are there different ways? Okay, like CBD oil. I know CBD, there's CBD that's grown, not organically, but I should say dirty with a ton of pesticides and things. So I take it it's the same way with your matcha. And so that's why yours is grown organically. So not mm -hmm. all matchas are created equal out there. That's what I'm trying to say. No. <laughs> no, I mean, just like anything, there's always the shit way, excuse my language, and there's always the really cared for way. And it's especially when it comes to food that we ingest and CBD, especially because there's so many things into CBD that are people should really care about. But yeah, matcha, because it's shade grown, actually most matchas aren't organic because they have a hard time keeping the bugs away because it's not in the sun. And so they spray them with pesticides, especially the soil. And so it's really important that you have, you know, high quality and you know where your stuff's sourced and people are educating you on their product and not just shoving, you know, another matcha brand in, in your face. I mean, yeah, of course, maybe you can find a cheaper matcha, but it doesn't mean it's high quality. So what is the brand of your matcha called? It's called Shana's Kitchen Morning Ritual. Okay. So everyone knows now. <laughs> yeah. And tell me this, yeah. I have a hard time drinking it because I hate the taste of it. Is there a way to make it taste better? Is that it's, so bad to say? It, no, it's the quality of matcha that you're drinking. It doesn't taste bad when it's good quality. Okay, maybe if that's I, the problem. Yeah, maybe I should you, try you, yours. 
You should try mine a hundred percent because if I can get people who were drinking like Starbucks matcha, I mean, like, trust me, it's, I understand because I didn't drink always good matcha in the beginning because when it became trendy, like there was only a few uh, available matcha brands out there and it's like super bitter. And sometimes it tastes like fish. There, it's gross. There's so many gross matchas out there. I don't blame you for not wanting to drink it. When you find a high quality sweet instead of bitter matcha, which exists without having any sweetener in it, because it depends on the quality of the leaf, it depends on the grading, it depends on the harvest time. And there's a lot of things that go into like why matcha tastes the way that it does. And mine is like, I picked it because it is, I literally was like, if everyone could taste this matcha, they would actually like matcha and then they would want to drink it. So I wanted to sell it because I was like, this is what it should taste like. It's not bitter. It's perfectly sweet. You can drink it with water. And everyone that drinks my matcha is like, damn, this is crazy. I'm like, oh, I know. Okay. That's this is good. what it's supposed to taste like. That's good to know. Cause the ones I drink are too bitter. So I'm going to try yours since you say it's sweet. I'll yes. have to report back to you and to all the listeners. Yes, I'll let so. them know. <laughs> yes, okay. okay. You also sell CBD skincare. And so I've done podcasts on CBD. I educate my listeners about CBD, but I never really talk about CBD in skincare. So what are the benefits of putting it actually in skincare products? So the real benefit is it's super anti-inflammatory, of course. So this is kind of number one. So people who struggle with acne or any type of redness in the skin, or when you have like, you know, swelling and, and inflammation from when you wake up from whatever, you know, stress or drinking or whatever it is, CBD really helps with like all that kind of inflammation uh, in the skin. So it's really good also for the body as well as the, the face. And I've always struggled with acne on and off my whole life and CBD has really helped with the inflammation when I'm feeling like I have a, you know, crazy inflamed skin. But I think, you know, it's more important, I think that, yes, of course, you can just slab CBD oil on your face, but I think it's the combination of like the skincare that I, I make and the, and the face oil that I make is it's, yes, there is CBD oil in it. And I love the anti-inflammatory properties. And I love that it kind of naturally exfoliates the skin and, and reduces the production of sebum, which is like the hair follicling clogging skin follicles create. And that also causes a lot of acne, especially for men and, and women sometimes on like our arms and backs or when we shave stuff like that. It's the combination of all the other oils with it that really kind of like give you the the glow and the umph and the anti-aging, the anti-inflammatory, the, you know, all the things that you want for your skin to look great and glowy. So I was just going to ask you, it does have anti-aging properties in it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. good to know. Thank you so much for being here on my show. I have loved talking to you and just talking to you about being a personal chef. That's just so intriguing to me. So thank you <laughs> oh, for thank being you. here. Tell my listeners where they can find you and your products. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram, which my personal Instagram is Shana Therese Taylor, S-H-A-Y-N-A, and then middle and last name, or Shana's.Kitchen is my uh, wellness blog that has all my recipes. And I also have a TikTok now, which is the same, uh, Shana Therese Taylor. And then my website is Shana'sKitchen.com, which has all my lifestyle stuff and has my recipes and has my matcha. And then my CBD company called Bottle and Stone, and you can find that on BottleandStone.us. Great. Thank you so much. I always end my podcast with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient to life. The best ingredient to life, I think right now for me is routine. Oh, I love I, that. 
Yeah, I really, really love my morning and night routine. And it's made such a significant difference in how I feel and how I deal with things at work. And I think that uh, routines are really uh, a key ingredient. I love that. I love my morning routine as well. My night routine, not so much. So maybe I should work on that. That's like, get everybody to bed and get myself to bed. But that's actually a great goal to work on my night routine. So thank you for saying that because it is really true. Mm -hmm. I love my morning routine. So I'm excited to get up and start the day. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you again for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram. 